Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. And while you probably are aware of Audible.com because of the um, thousands of titles of audiobooks that they have, you may not know all the other content that is available to you. So we're offering you a free trial. If you go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, and you can explore for yourself find all sorts of content out there and um, see what suits you. Over the years, um, this podcast has continued to uh, be recognized as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, business leaders, uh, you name it, uh, if it's in the business sphere. And that's because of the guests. Uh, These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business and they um, join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you get the information you need so you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception. Uh, My guest today is Devin Miller. Helping Fortune 100 clients with their intellectual property, Devin realized that there weren't many good intellectual property legal resources for startups and small businesses. As an entrepreneur himself, he wanted to help other small business owners learn about patents, trademarks, and copyrights so they can build value into their businesses and protect their assets. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks so much for joining me, Devin. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be on. Glad to have you. So talk to me some about how a business goes about protecting uh, their brand or, you know, an invention? Yeah, so maybe it's easiest 
I'll give you a, this really quick overview is kind of the different areas that you can go about protecting your near startup or small business or any business. So if you look at it, if you hear people kind of refer to it, there's kind of an umbrella term that would be intellectual property that kind of, if you want to refer to the, the big, you know, the big topic or that it would be an intellectual property. And then underneath that, you basically have what are patents, trademarks, and copyrights, which are then what you use to protect things. So Patents are going to go towards anything that's an invention. So if you're creating it, it has a functionality, it's an invention, it's a product, it's software, anything that, you know, does something that's going to be under patents. Um, trademarks are going to be more for a brand. So if you think about anything that's building your brand, whether it's a logo, whether it's a product name or a company name or a catchphrase, so anything that's a basically brand related is going to fall under trademarks. And then copyrights are going to be more for creative work. So if it's a book or a video or a picture or something that's more on the creative nature that you're creating, then it's going to kind of copyright. So those are kind of the three areas that you can protect or, or protect or grow or protect your business, depending on which one. And a lot of times you'll have, you know, multiple, you'll fall under multiple of those verticals, but those are kind of the main areas that you'd use to protect your brand or protect your business. Okay. That's great. Okay. So, um, let's sort of break it down. So talk to me some about why patents are so important for protecting, um, an invention. Yeah. So there's a few reasons. And I, I, I always joke that, you know, if you ask an attorney a question, the way you know if they're a good attorney or not is whether or not they tell you the answer is it depends. Cause that's all how almost all attorneys oh. answer a question, but I'll give you a better answer than it depends. So, but so when I look at patents and you can, you know, it's always for protection. There's really a few different strategies that companies are going to look at for why they may want a patent or why that may be useful. And so one is obviously to protect an invention. So if you think of, Hey, I'm putting in a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears and money to develop a product or to come up with something and I want to be able to protect it. I mean, meaning I don't want somebody just to take all my hard work and then knock it off or copy it and be able to say, thanks for all that time and effort. Now I'm going to, you know, do it faster, cheaper, better, and not have to spare the expense of all the development. That's where you, or one reason you get a patent is in order to protect that work is becomes an actual asset or right, that then you can go and enforce and stop others from knocking off or copying all of your, uh, your idea and your invention uh, with that. The other one is also more on, it's an actual asset that's kind of investable that, you know, you or you can use that as an asset of the company. So if you think of, if you're going out to an angel capital or a venture capital or an angel investor venture capital or someone that you're trying to even, you can sometimes even use them as collateral for a loan, but you're actually a way to capture a lot of the asset of your company. Meaning if a lot of it is kind of in your head or development R and D and you know, the end product is great, but there's a lot of time and effort and research. That's one way that you can actually capture that as an asset of your company that then you can get an valuation increase or valuation bump for what you're trying to do. So those are generally, if you're looking at why you'd want a patent and what the reason motivations are is one is either to protect and capture all the time and effort and money you go into research and the other is to build as an asset to the company. Okay. And um, how complicated is it to do and what sort of um, investments should someone expect to, to have to make um yeah so complicated i guess there would be complicated from two different aspects right one would be the customer the person the client that was doing the or wanting to engage an attorney 
versus the attorney and, you know, complicated on that end. So that, you know, can split it up. If you were to do it completely on your own, generally I recommend you, it's complicated enough that I, I would say, hey, if you don't have the time or ability to engage an attorney, I would probably spend the time, money, and efforts other places in the business rather than try and do it yourself because it almost gives you a false sense of security. You think you have something filed. It doesn't really give you much coverage. And so it gives you kind of that false security blanket. But if you say, hey, okay, I'm not doing it on my own, but I'm going to engage an attorney, then it's usually a much more painless process, so to speak. So I'll give you an example kind of a, what we do and other firms do it to a different degrees or in various ways is that, you know, engage an attorney, say, hey, I need a patent. Then you're going to fill out a form. We kind of walk you through here, are the date details, what we need, what the information. And so you can say, hey, what's the previous, what have others done? What are you doing? What makes you unique? And it kind of walks you through it. And then from there, the attorneys will, will schedule kind of an hour call. And so then you can kind of go through the details of your invention, how it works, clarify things, getting additional details. And then from that point, the attorney takes the information you already gave them in the call and prepares a draft for it. You review it and then it can be filed. So in that sense, from the complexity from a, you know, someone engaging us or engaging an attorney, it's not that it's, it's not too hard. And usually if you get a good attorney, they'll walk you through it in a pretty simple or math or method. Um, cost wise, um, you're good. You have kind of two different options when you're looking at patents. So you can do what's called a provisional patent application and a non-provisional patent application. So short answer is provisional patent application, informal patent application doesn't, or what it does is it acts as a placeholder for a year. You get, you establish your date of invention and then it gives you a, a, a year time frame to decide whether or not you want to invest in the full patent application or not. Um, that one's gonna, if you're to go up our fees and they can range our flat fee, we do a flat fees of 1700, but you can, it ranges anywhere from 1500 up to three or 4,000, depending on if you're going to a large law firm, small law firm, Silicon Valley law firm or where they go. Um, and then not beyond the provisional, then you go to a full patent application and that one's going to be our flat fee would be 5,500. And that one can range from a, you know, on the low end, 5,000 on the top end, it can be 10,000. So they have a variability again, depending on the, the different firms you go to and their pricing structure. So I think that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it did. That, that, that's great. So how does, like, let's talk about a startup for a minute. Um, mm. You know, they have an invention, they have a great idea. How do they decide whether to invest in a patent or a trademark? Are there like guidelines? Um, it's it's going to be business my business. And the reason I say that, every business is different, right? And where I'd really look at it is where is the value of your business? Meaning if you are building a company where you're going to be centered around a brand. So you think about Coca-Cola or Pepsi or Nike or, you know, Starbucks. Really what their products are there, you know, there's a little bit of difference, but it's more, much more about the brand, right? They don't have a like a patent or they don't have their, you know, they may have a little bit of their secret sauce, but really you're buying into a lot of the brand. You go to Starbucks because you know, they're going to give you a good cup of coffee, but you can get coffee at a lot of different places, right? So right. I'm just saying, hey, our, our value as a company is, is really locked into our brand. Then that's where I'd put your money. Vice versa, let's say you're a technology startup or technology business and hey, we're developing the next great iPhone or the next great, you know, Tesla car or whatever that is, you know, but something that's, you know, more related to a product and you're going to be putting in a lot of R&D and development and time to do that. 
and you want to protect that, then you go to more, more towards the patent. So it kind of depends on, I would say, wherever you see your value of the company and where you're building it, that's where you want to put, put your money and time and effort to protect it. And sometimes it's both. You think of Apple as a company, they certainly have a big brand and very recognizable, and they're also a much, you know, having to into the technology. And so, you, you know, they all, they invest in both trademarks for the brand as well as patents for all of their products. So it's not that they're necessarily exclusive, but if you're saying, where do I start or where do I go, figure out where your value, the, the, bet, the most value for your company is and start there. Got it. Okay. So it feels like, you know, some of these things can, can, you know, the investment can be pretty high. Um, so how do small businesses compete with big businesses when big businesses can afford to do all these things like Apple, you know, can afford to do these things constantly? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record in the sense I keep saying it depends and I know that that's yeah. <laughs> the turn. But okay. I mean, it, so there's a couple or a few different ways you can compete with big companies, right? One is that, you know, sometimes being a big company certainly provides you with resources and ability to have, a, you know, big marketing power and brand and whatnot. But it also is a bit of a handcuff in the sense that you don't iterate as quickly. Coming up with something you have, you know, the low level engineers, they go to their manager and then they pitch an idea. Then the managers go up to their next one and then they go up to the CEO and you have enough layers that just by the nature of the size of the company, just because they are a big company, it can take a long time to iterate and to innovate and, and adapt to the marketplace. Whereas I think a lot of times small and startup business, you know, startups and small businesses can iterate and adapt quicker. Meaning one way, one of their best assets is, is that they can see what is going on in the marketplace and adjust, adjust much more quickly based on what they need to do. So I think one just general sense one way that they can do that they can keep ahead of the bigger companies is by doing by iterating and being you know staying out ahead of it i think another one is you know and these are non or I'll, I'll get to a couple of the ip stuff but even just in general i think the authenticity is oftentimes better with smaller businesses and companies they can tell a story why you'd want to support them why their brand matters you know, what, are they doing it with a mission? Are they doing it with a cause? Are they a mom and pop shop that's offering something unique or cool? Or, you know, those type of things. It's hard to replicate that with big businesses. You don't quite get the tear jerking, you know, hey, I want to help out this, you know, donate to their cause. If it's Apple and you know that they have billions of dollars at the bank, you know, not kind of the same thing. So I think those are a couple kind of practical things. Um, as far as patents and, you know, and patents and trademarks, if you're to, or if you're to go into more of those, I think that you have to be judicious in, in what you're going after. I mean, you, you don't have a limited budget. You can't go after everything, at least not up front. You know, you, as you build and hopefully can become a bigger company, you incorporate more of that to your strategy. But then you have to say, we have a strategy. This is what we need to protect. This is our most value. Let's make that our, our, our focus for now. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other things we'd like to invest in and like to do. We can't do that now. So let's just build that into our five-year roadmap. Right now we're going to go, this is all we can do. This is what we have the time, budget, appetite, whatever for. So let's go after those and kind of build it into there. Um, so I think those are a few kind of different ways that you can start to compete with bigger businesses. The other one that I always you know, talk about is every big business has a competitor, right? So you think of Apple has Samsung, you think of Starbucks has Dunkin' Donuts or whichever one you want to go, you know, but everybody, yeah. there's very seldom a company that doesn't have any competitors and if they don't very soon they will 
And so some of the other times, if you're a startup or a small business and you're saying, hey, we have patents, we have trademarks, but in the reality, you know, the big businesses, they can just bleed us dry. They can now spend us and everything else. Sometimes you can build a better mousetrap and then you go to the competitor. So let's say, you know, take Apple versus Samsung, maybe Apple ripped Joffs or, you know, does something very close and you have a patent or a trademark or a brand or those type of things. They go over to Samsung and say, hey, you want a competitive advantage? Why don't you acquire us? Why don't you take a license from us or buy us, buy us out type of a thing? And that gives Samsung, the competitor to Apple, a competitive advantage. So I think that there's different strategies that can keep you ahead in the marketplace, even against what would be bigger companies. Oh, I think that is um, makes a ton of sense. And I and I agree. I, you know, small businesses are more nimble, so they they can iterate much faster, uh, which is great. Um, I am going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Uh, Audible.com, we know, has thousands of audiobook titles that you can choose from, but they also have so much other content. They have Audible Originals, uh, podcasts, guided meditations, news. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that you can find that you like. I can tell you personally, uh, the guided meditations are something that I find tremendously valuable uh, all the time, but especially these days. So uh, go ahead and, and sign up for the free trial at audibletrial.com slash business growth and explore. Check it out for yourself. See what you can find uh, that resonates with you. Today, we're speaking with Devin Miller about protecting your business assets. So what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes businesses make with patents or trademarks? Yeah, so I'm going to flip it and I'll go with trademarks first because that's a quicker, easier answer. Um, well, I guess maybe it's a better, a quicker, and easier answer. Um, trademarks, you know, the biggest or one of the biggest mistakes, and there may be a few, but one of the probably the biggest one is that a lot of times, especially as a startup or a small business or as you're growing, you're starting out you don't really think about your brand much, meaning you start out and you say, oh, we're just going to be a local brand or, you know, we're going to start a, a, a small, you know, mom and pop shop or something like that, or we're just going to sell this as a side hustle and online, you know, as a, it just as a, a supplemental income. And then it starts to grow and it starts to become bigger and you start to get, you know, build a brand and, and then you start to see knockoffs come along, right? And they'll name it the same thing or a similar name or confusing name. And, you know, what they don't do is by the time you're already big enough, then you, and you're getting those knockoffs, you, a lot of times you're already too late to get your trademark, meaning trademarks are generally, and patents are the same way, the first person to file for a, a name, you know, for a name of a product or name of a company or anything, is generally the one that's, that gets it. And so if you wait too long and then other people start to like your brand and start to knock it off or start to like it, they may actually, if they file before you, they can box you out of using your own, with some exceptions, but generally they can box you out of using a lot of times your own brand and your own name that you've put in a lot of time, money and effort to build. So, you know, the sense I get, you know, on the front end is it's an investment and you have to be, you know, you only have so much budget and so much things to do, but you do want to be, you know, that's the point that a lot of people jump over is they don't think about that until it's almost too late as to when people are already knocking it off or otherwise competitors. And then they're trying to go back and scramble to do it, which is significantly harder than if you do it as you build a company on the front end. So that's one on the trademark. 
patents are, you know, and that was a, kind of the same thing on the patents in the sense that, you know, it's a first to file system. So whoever files on an invention or a patent first is generally is, uh, deemed to be the first inventor and the first award. So if you wait to patent things too long, somebody else say, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to do something similar to it. Or if it's just a competitive landscape. So you think, hey, I'm in the tech software industry, whatever. And there's a whole bunch of people all making similar products and you wait too long to patent it. Somebody else patents it before you or the same or similar idea. You can then lose the rights to what you've already put in a lot of effort on. One other thought on, on, on patents as well is, you know, with patents, there's a time clock that starts ticking anytime you put things out on the, into the public. So you think of, if I put this as a out for sale or online or, you know, in a store, or you do a, a, seven, or a seminar, or you do pitching, or you do a competition, or anything you know where you're exposing it to the public, then you basically start a one a one year time clock ticking from the first time you put it out in the public. And so you have one year from the time your invention originally is exposed to the public within which to file a patent on. If you don't file a patent within that year, then it becomes what's public domain, or anybody can use it. And it's open to the public, and it, it's no longer able to secure your rights. So. That's one of the issues sometimes you'll have that they people don't realize, oh yeah, I need to go back, I should probably get a patent on this, but it's a year and a half or two years or whatever down the road. And now you're trying to scramble and say, okay, what can we do here? And it makes it much more difficult if there's anything we can do there because you're, you've missed that window. Wow. God, I didn't know that. Wow. And that, and that it just, it, like I have people say to me, well, I have this idea and I would do a pitch competition, but I'm afraid of letting other people know about it until I've actually made it into a thing, you know, cause they're afraid people are going to mm. take the idea. Yeah. And I mean, that's almost the opposite end, right? Where now you're worried that even before you put it out there and, it, and that is a problem, right? Cause first yeah. of all, if somebody, you go out and put in a pitch competition, say, Hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to go do that and build a company around it. And they file on a patent first. That is, a, you know, that is a, an, an issue that can you can legitimately face. But usually what I would say is, you know, before you put it out in the public, I mentioned a little bit ago on a provisional patent application, if you're saying, hey, we maybe mm -hmm. we don't have this fully finished, we don't have it exactly how we want for our end product, but we are going to start pitching it to whether, let's say, a crowdfunding, or we're going to go out to venture capital and angel investors, or pitch competition, or it's going to put out a website to see if we can get a newsletter. All those things, I, I would do a provisional patent application. You know, it's relatively cheap, and I can get $1,700 or $2,000 of that dollars is still a good amount of money, and I'm not, you know, downplaying that, but versus the drawback, right. if you're going to put in a lot of time and effort and try and build something around it, you're probably worth at least doing that so you can, you know, give that one-year time frame that you can decide whether or not to go for a full patent application. Yeah, right. I think that that is a great point. Okay. And um, so at what point in the process should someone um, engage an attorney, you know, in the, in the patent or the trademark process? Um, the, the short answer is as early as possible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's going to be your real answer. I mean, but I, I get, you know, so one thing that I've done, and 
you know, different with our firm is we do, oh, it's a free strategy session. So, and because what I found is a lot of times and rightly so people don't want to go and engage an attorney because they know as soon they feel like as soon as they walk through the door, you're going to start getting charged and it's going to be an hourly billing and it's going to be expensive. You even ask a question, you ask a five minute question and the attorney bills you for an hour. And so, you know, one thing I would do is I would engage attorneys earlier in the process, even if it's just, hey, we still don't think we're building this. We don't have, you know, we're not going to be building this for another three or four months, or we're not going to get to a point where we're going to want to do something with it. I would still just engage the attorney earlier so that you can get a strategy. Okay. This may be three or four months out, but let's at least have a strategy as to, as we build this, as we invest, we know when we hit this point, we're going to want to re-engage them. We know the things that we're going to need to look out for, the things to consider, all of those. And so I, if it was me, I'd find an attorney, a good one, you know, not just a fly by night one, but a good one that's willing to sit down with you, do a strategy session or something like we do that, um, that offers that as a, an ability to sit down, get a strategy and then, you know, go from there. And so that way you have it built in. If you already pass that point or don't have that, then I would, I, if you're saying, Hey, that's a great idea. I don't have an attorney. I don't have one that I can trust, or I don't want to pay for it because I can't find one that will do a, a strategy session. Then I would do it if you're on the patent side, I'd kind of, if you're getting to a point on an invention that you can describe it in a level of detail that somebody in that same industry can understand it and could replicate it, you've reached the point that you want to get a patent on it. So if you're to think of, I'll take software as an example, let's say you got your software product while you haven't fully created it, haven't fully you know, made it, you've at least outlined it or you understand it in your head or you've written it out that you could explain it to someone and they say, okay, I get that. I could go and create that if I had the time, you know, time, money and resources, then that's about the time you'd want to do a patent trademarks. If I'm getting to the point that I feel like, you know, you're beyond the mom and pop shop, you're actually getting some people that are interested or the brand's building momentum, or you're getting followers, you're getting people that are buying it outside of your, you know, little geographic location that's probably the, the site on the trademark. So early as possible. If not, then that's when I would do it. Got it. Okay. That's really helpful. And, and so that now talk to me about how someone um, looks for, you know, how they pick a good attorney. Like what are the kinds of questions they should ask or you know, how do they know if they're getting someone who's really going to be valuable? More expensive, the better. I mean, isn't that the, if you pay more, you're always going to get the value, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's not generally the case and the more, more often than not you're paying for the name of the law firm as opposed to the value you're getting but yeah. um you know i always look at it as, and it's probably more ubiquitous across any industry not just specific to the legal one is looking for someone that almost has the heart of a teacher and when i say that it's you know someone that's willing to sit down with you and actually explain what this is why you need it if you need it why you would need it how this would play in and that's what I would look for. Cause you know, most attorneys, if you find them, they'll do a decent job or a good job on the actual legal work. You know, they're trained and if they're, if they've made it in the industry, if they have, they're at a, a firm or they're doing it, they have clients and that they've made it, they'll do a decent job. But really I think what distinguishes is someone that's going to not just do a good job and you, and then, you know, you have no idea what they're doing, but they're, they're sending you an invoice, but they actually explain this is what's going on. This is why you need to do it or what decisions you may think or why you consider it. And if they actually sit down to take a few minutes to teach you those things or explain it, I think that's the, where I would look for, for a good attorney. So if you're going into somebody's office and they're, Hey, they sit down for five minutes and say, yeah, this is what you need. And this is how much you need to pay us. 
and you walk out and you say, I still don't really know why I need that or what's going on. I just know that I need a patent. Probably not a good thing to do, you know, to go and spend a whole bunch of money on. But if you sit down and they take 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they walk with you, here's what a patent is, here's what the process is, this is what you may want to think about. Hey, you may be too early or, hey, you're a little late and let's figure out what, you know, what we can do to help you out. And they sit down and actually explain. That's where I think that you're going to distinguish between what maybe is an okay attorney or, you know, versus a great attorney. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense because I think that's one of uh, people's fears, you know, is that they're going to, they're going to sort of turn it over and they're going to be charged a whole lot of money and not really understand what's going on in the process. And then that just creates that, you know, not so great feeling uh, that nobody really wants in a, in an engagement like that. Yeah. I mean, and if I were to take it, another industry that people would get it, if when you take in your car and you need something yeah. fixed, you know, everybody, you can always tell that the guy's like, Oh, we've got these 20 things that are broken with your car and it's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. And you, you know, just kind of feel like, well, I don't even know what I'm fixing or why I need it. But he tells me all these things are broken. I need to fix it. And you're saying, or versus you go into the, you know, the auto mechanic and they say, hey, your car is broken and you really just need to fix this. And this is why it's not working. And this is what, you know, the part is. And this is how much our labor is going to cost. And this is, you know, about how long it should take. You get two different experiences and they may both do a good job in the end. But one, you know, a whole lot more what's going on and you can actually make an educated decision versus the other. You're just having to kind of trust that they'll do a good job. Yeah, yeah. It's a great um an example because that happens all the time and it is really about being able to make an educated decision and and the attorney should want you to have that level of uh, knowledge and confidence uh, you know because otherwise the whole relationship ends up being difficult for everybody yeah and i think and to be if i were to be fair to attorneys you know most attorneys they work at a firm they have billable hours they're trying to you know not you know, they got pressures in order to do it. So I think, you know, the one thing if I were to defend attorneys, and that's not usually what I'll do, is you have to be sensitive to their time. So if they if they say, hey, we'll do a free 30-minute strategy session, we're willing to sit down with you. Don't ask, you know, don't get or try and take two hours of their time because, you know, their time is still valuable and they're trying to make a living. So be sensitive to their time in the sense that they're trying to be, you know, give you good guidance, be, you know, be a good uh, attorney and be helpful but don't you know don't take advantage of it because then you're become the client that nobody wants because <laughs> you make it so that they, they they'll lose money every time they ever do anything for you because you take five hours to do a one-hour job that type of thing so there is a balance but i think that's generally the extreme of it but there's occasion that you'll just you know be cognizant of that yeah definitely i think that's a very good point um Okay, so, well, I, I have to tell you, um, Devin, that I really appreciate this information. I think this is one of those topics that makes people's heads hurt, you know, so um, I appreciate you shining some light on it and making it easier to understand. Sure. Uh, will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you and anything you've got going on you think they should know? Yeah, so a few ways that they can uh, connect up or reach out, so... Um, one, always easiest is the website, right? So if you go to milleripl.com, so M-I-L-L-E-R, I is in igloo, P is in papa, L is in law, or intellectual property law, but IPL.com. Um, that one has a lot of resources. You can find a lot of the information on our costs and that. You can also right there on the website, um, schedule a free strategy session. So 
you know, kind of mentioned if they have questions, if you don't know if you need anything or you just want to sit down and get a strategy together, they can schedule it right there on the website. Um, email is easy too. They're welcome to email me. And that's just at Devin, D-E-V-I-N at MillerIPL.com. And then the last one, they're welcome to either call or text me. Um, I'm always pretty available and responsive. And that's at 801-829-8446. So those are usually the best ways to reach out to me or connect up. And I'm happy to answer any questions or, or help out the community. That's great. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. You know, give this uh, thought and, and reach out if you've got questions because you don't want to wait and then find out that uh, it was too late. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Please go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up for a free trial and then go exploring and see all of the incredible content that is available for your listening pleasure. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.